Quotient. I'm your host, Kim Seltzer, a dating and makeover expert, where I will help you build confidence, make connections, and find love from the outside in. If you look in the dictionary, the word vulnerability, it's really interesting. It is the quality or state of being exposed to the possibility of being attacked or harmed either physically or emotionally. All right, that does not sound very good, right? So it's no wonder when you hear that word or people say, oh, just allow yourself to be more vulnerable on dates. It's friggin' scary, right? Like, I mean, who wants to be exposed to the possibility of being harmed. But here's the thing, being vulnerable isn't really that, especially when it comes to dating. It isn't about airing out your deepest, darkest secrets or TMI. I mean, you're not going to show up on a date and say, hi, nice to meet you. And let me tell you about my demonstrative mother and abusive father. Of course not. I had a uh, coaching session actually just three days ago, and I, I want to share this with you. It's exactly what we're going to be talking about today. She was a business coach. So obviously, she was very skilled at conversation, extracting things from people. She was amazing at making men feel good. She asked great questions. In fact, she was very charismatic, fun personality, right? So you're thinking, what's wrong? Well, there was one big thing missing. And that was her vulnerability. So she had severe trauma as a child, and she grew up in a very unsafe household, unfortunately. And she learned to protect herself by staying quiet and not expressing how she felt. In fact, when she expressed any emotion at all, she was punished. So the word vulnerability was completely scary for her and truly a wound that she learned to cover up. And fast forward to her dating life, how it was being played out, is that she continued to mask her fears with deflecting her emotions and became really good at not allowing Med to really see her or feel her. And because of that, Guess what? She attracted lopsided relationships, all which lacked empathy and intimacy. She also was not in tune to how she felt on dates because she was so busy tuning into the man's needs. So then I got to experience teaching her in real time. As you all know, I do a lot of these wing gal sessions. So as we were out and about at happy hour, we struck up a conversation with an eligible bachelor. It was perfect. And she drew him in. Of course, she was perfect. She was charming, quick-witted with her questions. She asked a ton about him. And then I caught her. I caught her red-handed, as I say. I caught her... Okay, so here's the thing. She was sharing a story, and I think to most people, they would say, oh, yeah, well, she was sharing a story, but she was telling it as it was outside of herself. She would say, well, what women think is romantic is, and then she would talk about a friend who did a romantic thing. So I stopped her, and I whispered in her ear, to change the story, to change how she felt and what she thought was romantic. And it was like a light bulb switched on and bang, there she was. And she opened herself up 
And then she told a beautiful story of something that happened to her that made her feel amazing and romantic. And I saw the man's look change from being kind of bored and polite to intrigued, evidenced by his facial expressions and body movements. He literally, I could see him almost being drawn in with his body. And then something profound happened that never happened before. He then shared something a little more personal that happened to him and how he felt. And suddenly the conversation turned from something that was superficial and safe to one that was more heartfelt, connected, and personal. Afterwards, she admitted that she never would have done that before. She knew that having a personal story being shared in the way of using the word I or feeling was scary to her and didn't think men would really care, but she realized it was the very thing that was preventing her from having intimate relationships. We all have fears around vulnerability, but when you learn how it can help create real connections in an authentic way versus a superficial way, or worse yet, the exhaustion of morphing yourself into what others want, that, that's completely exhausting. You're never really you. And the truth is, both men and women have difficulties showing vulnerabilities. There's no discrimination here. So whether you are a woman or a man, you are going to love today's guest who actually specializes in helping, well, men in particular, but both men and women, open up and tap into their emotional expressiveness. He is an interpersonal communication expert speaker, podcaster, and the author of the best-selling book, Unhidden, a book for men and those confused by then. Well, that would be me and all the other women, right? Since 2002, his mission has been to help people find themselves and use their internal power to live their best lives. He's helped thousands of students up-level their communication, leading them to live more balanced, energized, connected, and purposeful lives. He's a veteran of many worlds, having moved seamlessly from corporate America and the startup world, which is super interesting, to becoming an authority in the personal development sphere, to building an international eight-figure business and authoring a best-selling book. He's the host of his podcast, Tough Love, which is awesome, where he puts his compassionate, hard-hitting insight to work, helping people move forward with their lives with clarity. Welcome, Robert Candell. Hi, Robert. Hello. So happy to be here. Oh my God. So happy that you're here too. And I'm really interested. I mean, your bio is awesome, but I am always more interested in, as you probably are too, in people's like real story. (laughs) So like what moved you from, first of all, the corporate setting to this personal development? I I just, I would love to hear where you came from. Uh, My story is this. I consider myself normal till I was 28. What what is normal? I don't even know what that (laughs) is. I tell you that my definition. So I was okay. following the path laid out for me, my father's path, my society's path, my culture's path. Mm. Well, in school, get the first job, get the better second job, marry, buy the house, uh, produce grandchildren, not children, produce grandchildren, grandchildren, right, and then retire when with a solid four hundred one k. So I was twenty uh-huh. years old, living uh, in San Francisco, had a five bedroom house corporate America job, I was, I was aces. So I was succeeding at the normal game. 
Okay, so you accomplished basically like the white picket fence. Well, I don't even yes. think you said the white picket fence, but that's what my mind went to as you were telling right. your story. So then how did you segue after accomplishing all that into what you're doing? Uh, I made a total fool of myself. <laughs> I did. So, I was, so here's the story. I okay. was uh, working in corporate America, downtown San Francisco, mm-hmm. suit and tie every day. And uh, also married, five-bedroom house. Uh, the wife and I were missing each other in the world because we didn't know how to relate to each other. Um, I was a workaholic. She was going to school. And then uh, one afternoon, she says, hey, uh, she calls me up and says, hey, do you want to take a class on sex? Ah. And Yeah. And when you're not having sex with your lovely wife that you don't understand, uh, the answer is yes. I'm uh, yeah, like a big yes. yes. Hell like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> So about two weeks later, I ended up in uh, a, a house uh, in a place called Sleepy Hollow, which is in Marin County, where mm-hmm. the hippies and the rich people live. Mm-hmm. And I ended up in the circle uh, with a bunch of attractive people, and we're doing introductions. And the teacher called on me first, and I do my introduction, speak for three to four minutes, and you know, I'm brilliant when it comes down to it. I just like <laughs> nailed it. I thought everyone was going to clap. I right. thought the teacher was going to make room for me on the couch. Mm-hmm. And then instead he said, hey, do you know your wife is crying? Ah. And she was sitting a foot away from me. And I was so self-involved. I had so lack of awareness of who I was and my chauvinistic, you know, methodologies. And I had, I had no idea. And then he said the worst thing possible. He said, okay, who's next? And so mm-hmm. I got to sit in the burn of that for like another two hours of other introductions. Wow. I I had two choices. One was to stand up, go back to the status quo and, you know, just go back to where I was. And the second was for me to learn, uh, stay with it. And that's what I chose. And that was the doorway for this most epic life from from, uh, corporate America to where I'm sitting today. That's a great story. It's like that that defining moment. We all have it in our lives where it's like the record stops. Right. And it's like show, yeah. And suddenly you're seeing your life before you in that almost that tunnel that happens, you know, like in the movies where it's like, boom, boom. Yeah. Wow. Well, so then were there, because obviously like you don't just become more vulnerable and emotional overnight, Mm -hmm. right? Like, so what were some steps that you and your wife took to live more vulnerably and authentically? And then like, how, and is that like what you teach others? Like, how did you do that? Was, yeah, <clears throat> excuse me, we just started off doing workshops and mm-hmm. exploring. And this is like San Francisco in the late 90s. So there right. was a rave culture. There was a sex positive culture. I mean, we went to sex clubs. We went to parties. We tried things we really didn't like. And we just like put ourselves out there to figure out who we were. Mm-hmm. And I put myself into some really intense workshops with some really intense, I say both those words on purpose, teachers who, you know, ripped my ego out, showed it to me and said, is this who you want to be in the world? And so through years and years of hard work, uh, started to see, started to get a clue. And then I started an organization called One Taste in 2004 Hmm. and took it from a paper napkin sketch to an international eight-figure business over 10 years. We taught about relationships, intimacy, and sexuality. And uh, just got my PhD in jealousy, communication, 
female anatomy, <laughs> I mean, across the board. <laughs> and during that tenure, had uh, the opportunity to really learn uh, the power and the connective ability to of intimacy and vulnerability. And that's, you know, I started mm. teaching others. So it's been an amazing life. It sounds like really it was like an immersion process, yeah. right? And I tell that to my clients all the time. I think like there's a lot of theories that go on. You go to workshops or, you know, you listen to podcasts such as this mm-hmm. or, you know, read books and there's a lot of theory that's going on and you know that there's certain steps that you need to take, but doing it is the hard part. And mm-hmm. it sounds like it wasn't just like one time that you did a workshop, you did it multiple and multiple times in different ways and got educated. And yeah, I mean, I think that is the name of the game because you put yourself into action, right? Right. <clears throat> I built a practice around relationship. I built a mm-hmm. practice around uh, vulnerability, how to be more intimate. And I had practice partners. I had, you know, my wife, uh, we, uh, split up after a few years after starting, but mm. what an exquisite practice partner, someone who really showed all these parts of myself I did not want to see. And, you know, being part of community and it's, it really was an, uh, an amazing experience, but you're absolutely correct. Without a practice, you walk into a workshop, you get a pop, and then in a few days it starts to go back to your status quo. So having a practice is really important. Yeah. Well, because I want to talk about then just maybe various things you did and then maybe what you teach. But before that, you, because this is where I think a lot of people are at. It's just like the story that I told in the beginning. It's scary. It's Mm -hmm. really scary to open up. And I wondered, like, what prevented you from opening up in the beginning? Well, and then how did you get over that kind of thing? Well, I was taught. Where men, you know, people are taught, but men are really taught to very be stingy with who they are. We're taught to hide. Mm. We're taught to withhold. We're taught that women are weak and lazy and can't handle us. We're taught we have to lead and not show pain. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we're we're taught to dismiss our feminine side, and so you know, we are the result of society's cookbook that uh, ended mm. up who we are. And so I was good at it. I was a perfect American male. I was you know, I was privileged. I'm white, cisgendered and tall. And so I had all the, <laughs> I had all the advantages and right. what was the use of changing? And I was quote successful, but I wasn't happy. And I certainly mm-hmm. didn't like myself underneath it. So people change from inspiration or desperation. I had a point mm-hmm. where I had a big mirror shown to me of who I was and I chose to, you know, in, invest in myself. Yeah. That's so, you know, as you were saying, why the, you know, it's almost like the perfect costume you had on, you know, and you played the part and you had the role in the script and all of that stuff. But I love what you just said that that doesn't equate to happiness. Yeah. You know, I just had a workshop that I did with a bunch of women this weekend and it was so inspiring and amazing. And to your point, we were talking about how many of them really put on their mask mm. and, and their costume. Actually, they were a bunch of costume designers, ironically mm. enough. Mm. And they were saying they literally, they were so tired and exhausted of trying to also be in a man's world mm. in many ways and thinking that men wouldn't respect them if they cried or showed vulnerability and mm. who they really are. And so all these women were crying 
you know, and it was just the pain was so much there. And what I was talking to them about and what you're saying is that actually vulnerability is strength. You know, Mm -hmm. when you are seen as human, that actually, like, there's even research done on this, right? Where, you know, people who are in leadership roles, who, who get farther in life, who have deeper intimate connections in their love life are ones who show vulnerability. Wouldn't you agree? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, the, you know, to me, the leading authority of this is Brene Brown, who just wrote a book for business leadership around um, in, um, authenticity and vulnerability. Mm-hmm. So, and I'll, but I'll, I'll add a, a but in there or an and in there is that if it's not set up, if you don't have rapport, if you don't have permission, mm-hmm. you can, you're, you're upsetting the status quo. And so I don't want to just be blanket that the power of vulnerability will be successful. You need to do the legwork to build rapport, yeah. to invite and show you because women who show up, you know, with vulnerability in a very masculine situation will get their butts kicked. There's no question about that. Mm-hmm. But if the if that system is interested or curious about vulnerability, a woman or a man coming in to be vulnerable can change and, and to your point, up level the entire mm-hmm. environment. That's a really good point about building rapport, you know, having that connection first before mm-hmm. showing that piece. Well, so, cause you said that there are some steps that you teach maybe in your workshops or in your book about vulnerability. What, what are some of those steps? I teach many and they're, they're really steps to it, but I'll just give a general mm-hmm. framework of, you know, how I recommend yeah. you, know, you start to work with vulnerability. Uh, one of the things I, in the book and I teach is this concept of how to speak uh, withhold. A withhold is a withheld communication to me, which is the cancer of all relationship. The Mm -hmm. things you know you should be saying to your partner that you're afraid to or won't because of X, Y, and Z. Uh, Could be something as simple as like, I have a crush on someone at work, to I um, have a porn addiction, to uh, whatever that is. It's like that, that withheld piece inside of you. Okay, so I have a question about that. Okay. How would you, because <laughs> now I'm just thinking about my, my people who are dating for the first time. Um, how does that look like and show up, say, when you meet someone for the first time in a dating situation? Well, if you're meeting someone for the first time, I do not recommend opening the kimono all the way. You know? Right. Like, like that's all- <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's, it's not like, hi, here I am, you know, it's not like, you don't want to vomit on someone, you're like, be deliberate, it's, what I describe to people is that moment where that bell rings, and you think, oh, this is significant, this is serious, Hmm. there's, there's some depth in there, there's an expectation from them of, of long term, when you hear that bell ring, that's the time to really start to turn the volume up of intimacy, which could be the first date but usually is third, fourth, fifth, or sixth date. Okay, so I have a question, and because maybe I'm thinking of this in the wrong way, but okay. I think I have an example of okay. also maybe how you can do a speak with hell, but like in a, a sexy, fun way. Oh, yeah. So would, would an example be if you are on a date and you're having like a fun conversation and a little kind of having still some mystery about it, mm-hmm. but then all of a sudden in the middle saying something like, I have a secret mm-hmm. and saying, I, I have this like vice and passion for chocolate. Mm-hmm. 
I just, I have to confess, mm-hmm. you know, so it's like a confession that maybe you would only share if you're really attracted to somebody. And I'm using a, like chocolate as just like a universal thing, but is that an example of a speak with hell that you could be used in the context of a first date? It's well, no, it's cause it's not that chargy, right? Like, like it's not chocolate. Maybe like, let's up the ante. Uh, maybe you okay. have a BDSM fet- fetish. You like being tied up. Oh my God. Would you really say that on a first date? Okay. So uh, maybe. <laughs> okay. Here's, so here's, so let's pull the lens back and not go into like a formula. The first thing okay. is, is if you feel a connection and you've t- built the time to build rapport and you get consent, my belief uh. is time is irrelevant. It's how much intimacy you have in that moment. And consent includes there's something like this is our like I know this is crazy. This is our first date, but I keep thinking this thing inside my head, mm-hmm. and I want to share it with you. Are you open to receiving it? If the guy, let's just say, it's the guy says yes, then say, I just want you to know, in a sexy kind of way, that I really like being tied up. Is that a red flag for you? So there's again, it's not the time on the mat; it's how it's feeling in the moment. Oh, I see. Okay. That's a good distinction. Cause yeah. you know, some people get really literal, right? No. Yeah. 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 So it's more about if the connection was made, right. then you can reveal something like that. Okay. Right. Right. Yeah. Cause when, you know, when I, when I use the example of, of the feeling work that's done in a first impression, mm-hmm. um, it, cause it doesn't even have to be something as big as that, you know, as the sex piece, it could be just something like a passion towards something and using feeling words around that kind of like in my example, in, you know, the story of, I think so many people talk outside themselves. They don't really relate and talk about the things they like. Mm -hmm. So I think this is a good distinction. So when you're wanting to kind of get even deeper, making sure that you build rapport and having consent before you go there. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. What, what are some other things? So the, so let's say you're with a partner and you have something you know you should be talking about and you're mm-hmm. afraid to. Mm-hmm. This is a, it's called a withhold. It's a withheld communication. So here's the methodology I recommend. You say, let's say um, um, you and I have a relationship and, and I have to tell you something. I'm like, Kim, uh, can we spend some time together tonight? There's something I need to talk to you about. That depends. No, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Right. Now you're, you're going to be immediately like, what is it? What's the headline? Yeah, what are you like? Yeah. like your panic is going to arise, but don't say what it is. Just say, I know this is a little nervous. Don't worry. There's just something I want to talk to you about. Are you open to the conversation? Hopefully you'll say yes. Um, and but so, I have to say when you said that, I felt a little nervous. Yeah. My heart, my heart went a little pitter patter. Right. Which is, is, that, appro- is, is appropriate. It is okay. appropriate. Okay. Because actually it's part of the setup to lend to the gravity of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it could be like, can we talk in an hour? Can we talk in 15 minutes? But you are asking for consent to have a, a significant conversation rather than the flippant way a lot of us express withheld communication. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, now this is something where you know someone already. Like this. Is- oh, yeah relationship. Okay. I just right. want to be this clear because some oh, people yeah. are just out there dating and they don't have the relationship yet. Okay. Right. But this could be the f- fifth or sixth date, you know, and you don't have to make it dramatic. It's not like someone died. It's just something you want to reveal. So then you right. set up that period, no phones, no music. If you have kids, get a sitter or leave the building. 
just somewhere where you can be in a non-distracted, intimate state. Sit appropriately, and what I mean by that is if you're, you know, like knee to knee or side by side or face to face, hold hands, like make connection, but just be in connection. So the first thing I would say to you is mm -hmm. counterintuitive. I would say, I want to apologize for something I withheld for you. My motivation for withholding was I was afraid of you rejecting me. Mm. I was afraid of hurting your feelings. Uh, really, I was just uh, nervous about the impact it would have on you. I want to apologize for the effect of me withholding this information. I love that. That's beautiful. Yeah. You, you know, it makes me think about a woman that I just worked with who was really upset about this guy that she was dating and he was still on Bumble. And she was so scared to talk to him about their relationship. Yeah. It, and, and this would have been an, a perfect language to use. Mm -hmm. and, and, but she did. She did a great job. She actually had the courage to, to go to him and talk about how she felt. And he was awesome. He responded well. He took his profile down and they actually strengthened their relationship. Mm -hmm. They both were scared. Mm -hmm. And then he came back and said how scared he was and that how relieved he was that she mm -hmm. talked about it. Right. That's the beautiful thing, right? Right, right. Because we're so afraid of asking or the truth or what's the impact if they say no. So we right. withhold it. And in the withhold, that's where the chasm, that's where the distance starts. Mm -hmm. If you're withholding something, you're in your own head. And it, it's a small world app. Like you're in that yeah. place, right? <laughs> right. And by saying, I, I want to tell you this thing, then you create a bridge, a communication bridge for more intimacy. That's awesome. Okay. Got it. So and then is there like another step? Yeah. Or is, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so um, apologize first. Mm -hmm. Then uh, hopefully they'll say, well, thank you. I appreciate that. And then the second thing is reveal the withheld communication in as little words as possible. So in my first marriage, that meant her saying to me, I had sex with another man right before our engagement party. Mm. Right. Huge thing she withheld from me for a year. So she just said it. So say the words as as little words as possible. Then stop talking. Don't try to minimize it. Don't try to take care of them. Just say the thing that you withhold. Then wait for them to respond. Then you respond to their response. Then they respond to your response about their response. You start a dialogue until it gets flat. And then that withheld communication dissipates. And then your relationship goes to the next step or the next level. Oh, that's so cool. I, lo I love how you're talking about just the things that we hold onto mm -hmm. and, and withhold, like you're saying, because of that dynamic. I think most people, and my clients say this as well, and I know this to be true you know, previously in my life, is that especially women who are caretakers or over caretakers, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm they will withhold information in fear of hurting somebody else. So it's mm -hmm. easier to deflect and put something on somebody else or be passive aggressive with it and not hit it straight on. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, this woman I worked with the other day, I said to her almost exactly like what you just said. I said, do you know you're actually hurting him more by withholding mm -hmm. it rather than saying it out loud? Mm -hmm. She's like, I don't get that. And we had, yeah, we had this huge conversation about it. And um, it, it, I think this is a big, like, reframe for people. Mm -hmm. 
when you actually come out with things that you are holding back, it's, it, it's strengthening. And that is that vulnerable part that, yeah, strengthens relationships and deepens them too. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I love right. that. Well, we're actually taught to withhold. That's the point. Society ah. teaches you it's proper to withhold. Men can't handle me, all of me. So I'm going to sugarcoat this and sit in subtle ways and, you know, little comments and then think really loudly mm-hmm. and, and expect him to have it. And when he doesn't hear it, then I get mad and depressed and feel betrayed instead of yeah. just being like, you know, <laughs> X, Y, and Z, A, B, and C. And a man, you know, really, if a man is interested in the relationship, the only response is like, oh my God. Thank you. That might be really challenging to hear right now, but thank you. Like most men are dying for the truth, but no one has permission or the skills to actually reveal it. Yeah. Okay. So you brought up the man woman thing. So Mm -hmm. I want to go there as a man. Don't because men, I feel talk more directly than women do. do. And, and we, we talk in story, we circumvent, we talk around things and, and we're in our emotions a lot. So don't you appreciate then when women are just direct? I just want women to hear that. Oh, like, yes. Yeah. Completely. Okay. Yeah. I have more information about this too. Oh, so, please. Share. Yeah. yeah. So uh, masculine communication, not men, but masculine based communication mm-hmm. is what's called report speak. Mm-hmm. We're speaking for production. We're speaking of how to move the box from point A to point B. Feminine communication has rapport speech. They're speaking with the intention to build intimacy and relationship. How do you feel moving the box from point A to point B? When the masculine and feminine are communicating, they're speaking for very different reasons. And often the miscues is because one won't budge from their level and they're missing each other. Oh my gosh. So true. I know it's like we're speaking different language. Right. And we're living in the same country, yet different languages. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Different intentions. Yeah. Yeah. This is awesome. I love it. Well, was there any other step that we missed that you wanted to share? Because that was really good, the whole withholding thing that you that's, went through. That's the main yeah. framework, but really just have patience with it. Mm-hmm. There's some weird thing about people want to rush through these processes and like, just go be patient. If like, it's, it's a true story. My, my wife, you know, my, my first wife cheated on me right before my engagement party, our engagement party, and then withheld it for a year. And then went did the landmark forum and then came and said, there's, mm-hmm. I'm out of integrity. I want to tell you this thing. Mm-hmm. And after, you know, a, a little bit of the, the angst and the legal anger about the infidelity, the, the sexual contact, what really came to me was the impact of the year of the lying because now everything made sense. And my first response to it was after I came to Clarity and I said, huh, what did I do? that didn't make it safe enough for you to tell me the truth. And our whole relationship changed in that one second. My whole life really changed because I saw that I had co-created the situation Mm. where she didn't feel safe enough to speak about this very chargy thing, but she didn't feel safe enough. And what happened was then we were able to speak and be more connected and more intimate. And so human beings are are very wildly expansive, beautiful things. If you create space for the, re- for the truth to be rewarded, told and rewarded, then your whole life will upgrade. 
I was going to ask for your last parting words of wisdom. But that was pretty wise. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. That you've been doing this rodeo before. No, that that was brilliant and so true. I think what I want to just highlight what you said, it, so much of what we're talking about is safety. You know, mm-hmm. is that feeling when we're feeling secure and safe mm-hmm. and it's both all of our jobs, both men and women to co-create that with each other. And mm-hmm. the more we can communicate that and be open about it, I think we'll all be a little bit better off. Agreed. hundred percent. Awesome. Well, tell everyone where to find your fabulous sisness. <laughs> all things can be found at my website, robertcandell.com. That's K-A-N-D-E-L-L.com. I can also find me on Amazon. Um, I have a podcast. I do writing. Um, I do coaching. All Everything can be found at robertcandell.com, including links to my social media. Awesome. Well, it's so great connecting with you. Oh, my and pleasure. And playing with you. Yeah. So awesome. Thanks for joining me today. This has been the Charisma Quotient. And of course, I'm your host, Kim Seltzer. And remember, you can build confidence, make connections, and find love from the outside in. And if you want to know more about me, of course, you can go to my site, seltzerstyle.com. And if you're looking, look to strengthen your vulnerability skills and dating skills, of course, you can sign up for a free breakthrough call with me, which you can book right here by clicking on the link in the show description and stay tuned until next week with more tips on how to feel and look fabulous every day.